Blog Talk Radio. There's some dangerous large uh, carnivore out there. Yeah, I saw that bird take a young deer off the bird and went fly away. And uh, it was just about to get dark, and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue of storing rocks in our vicinity, good-sized rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 357 out of my backpack and went back, and that's when I saw it. I saw one. Sunday evening, Monster Xers. Welcome to Monster X Radio. This is your host, Gunnar Monson. Along with me, as always, is, well, almost always, is my very good friend, Bigfoot researcher, Shane Corson. Shane, how are you? Great, Gunnar. Doing fantastic. Uh, great weekend, and glad to be back with Monster X Radio. Very cool. We, uh... I was not out bigfooting this weekend. I actually was doing the fair thing. I had some fair food and uh, enjoyed that at the fair. Um, listen, actually, it's funny because the the, the main uh, music act was uh, Three Dogs Night, and I uh, like man, I don't know any of their. I couldn't tell you one of their songs. And then when I listened to them, I I mean, I recognized a lot of them, and that kind of tells me. Uh, how you know I was feeling old because their their uh, big heyday was like from '69 to '74. So, um, but it was a good show, and uh, they still have you know a few members of the original band. So, no, I did not eat any fried Twinkies at the at the fair. So, <laughs> um, but I did have a Pronto Pup from the original Pronto Pup guy, so um, good time. So what were you up to this weekend, Mr. Corson? Uh, well, I uh, had some original plans to head out towards Mount Hood area, an area that I, I research a lot. And uh, things changed as my, my good friend and fellow researcher, you know, Shelley uh, Covington was in town. And um, I was invited to uh, an area that they were researching um, due to some 
uh, interesting activity they were having. So um, myself, along with Larry Kerner, headed that direction and met up with uh, uh, Shelley and uh, Kirk Brandenburg and Nathaniel York and um, spent the, you know, uh, part of the weekend with them uh, and, uh, you know, end up bringing Shelley back with me to stay before her flight out of town. So uh, got to check out uh, some beautiful areas and uh, got to um, get filled in on, on the occurrences that took place while they were there. Uh, I think they spent up to, uh, I think they were pretty close to a total of 10 days in this area and uh, had some what I consider pretty extraordinary um, activity. Um, I got to witness a little part of it early morning um, as far as audio-wise. But, uh, you know, she, she'll be able to fill in and uh, share what happened out there. And in her whole time out here in the Pacific Northwest, and also Nathaniel York, who was with her on, on a good portion of her um, time out here, uh, will be able to chime in as well. So it was a, a really interesting weekend, hang, you know, uh, hanging out with uh, and, and doing some research with uh, some fantastic people, um, some of the best. So you know, I, I had a great weekend. That's cool. I was uh, I was a little envious that you guys got to go up and uh, play in the Squatchy playground, but uh, um, I know Shelly Shelly's been out here for a while now. She I know she was here for Beachfoot, and then she's been back home to been back home to Texas. And didn't she drive back out here? Yes, yeah, she did. She drove out with a friend uh, <laughs> out here. It was like a, she basically had less than 30-hour turnaround from leaving uh, Beachfoot, which she flew back to Texas and then drove all the way back out less than 30 hours, well, about 30 hours, all the way back up to um, up here. And uh, what a beast uh, to uh, yeah. do that sort of turnaround. Just, wow, uh, pretty amazing. And uh, got to see, uh, I know she had a fantastic time and was out with some um, great you know, great couple of guys, some fantastic people and fantastic researchers that could take her to different places and give her the, you know, the history of some of these areas on, on the, the Bigfoot lore and the Bigfoot um, reports and some of the more infamous uh, sightings and stuff done. So uh, I know she's going to be heading back to Texas just uh, probably a little overwhelmed uh, with just everything that uh, transpired. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited I mean, uh, to hear what, what took place up there. Um, I've known Kirk for quite a while. You know, he he uh, and I were both in the BFRO for a long time, and then I met, had the the pleasure of meeting Nathan up at uh, the OP earlier this year. He's he's a, a very uh, intelligent young man, very you know pragmatic in his approach to bigfooting and and. Uh, of course, he and, and Kirk were both supposed to be part of the Falcon Project, and they actually went out um, and and showed up at the area, apparently, that they were uh, going to do the initial ground uh, investigation. And uh, mm-hmm. they had some, from what I understand, they had some activity. We can ask um, Nathan about that. So Yeah. Um, if uh, you're ready, I'm ready to bring Shelly on. She's always fun yeah. to talk to. So, exactly, she's with us now. So uh, let's uh, All right. let's bring her on. Uh, Shelly, are you there, Shelly? I am here. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey, Shelly. Hey. I can hear. 
I can hear you now. Okay, good, good, awesome. Well, it's been quite an eventful trip, I have to say. 30 days is a long time, even though I, I need about there is. Wow. Uh, 200 more days, you know, I would I would spend here, but I'm only missing one thing, and that's my husband, so I I, I got to get back to him, but uh, yeah, it's been more than I could ever wish for, and the people I've been involved with and met and uh, or have been friends with and finally met face-to-face have been the most amazing group of people I could, I mean, I, they're, they're just like people from Texas, just so warm and inviting and sharing and helpful. And I couldn't have asked for a more amazing trip, um, really emotional for me and, uh, the best, best trip I think I've ever had. I mean, it's just, I, I, I don't regret one minute of it and wish I could be here even longer. I want to move here. Matter of fact, I'm working on my husband as we speak <laughs> to move to, to this area. So we but, want you here, yeah. Kelly. We we would love to have uh, you out here. You're an asset, and uh, and uh, you're just an all-around joy to be around. So it's someone I love being on the field with. Uh, every, you know, uh, it, it. I was kind of bummed because you had been out here for a extended period of time, and I couldn't make it out. And I was very fortunate to make it out with the short period of time that I was given, uh, but. Uh, I was thinking about you the whole time, thinking about all the little adventures you're taking and and, uh, and the people you're involved with. And I was like, man, I wish I could be out there, but you know, unfortunately, life gets in the way and work and everything else. But I was glad to be a part of the uh, the tail end of your adventure. So. Oh no, I mean Shane, and and many people I know have experienced this from Shane Corson. He is my. <laughs> My husband trusts Shane. <laughs> he knows I'm going to be well taken care of. I mean, he picks me up at the airport. He drops me off in locations. He makes sure I have the equipment I need. He comes back and picks me up. He drives me around. He makes sure I'm fed. He, I mean, anything and everything as far as a host, if you want an amazing time, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, Shane, Contact Shane Corson in Portland, <laughs> Oregon, and he will make sure you're very well taken care of and have a fabulous time. I mean, it, I, I couldn't have done it without you. You know that. You're you're my peas to my carrots, brother. I mean, <laughs> it, it. I would not have the experiences I have had in the last, what, almost three years now since we've met if it hadn't have been for you. So... Don't cut yourself short. You have been a huge part of why I'm here. You, you, you really have, and I, I can't thank you enough, and neither can my husband. And we appreciate you and your family, all your friends, all the things you have done for us that has just been above and beyond anything I could have ever expected. You're a fabulous person and a fabulous human being, and, and I'm proud to have you as my friend. I, I really appreciate that. That's far too kind, but... You know, it's it's been like no, my it's pleasure. It's been my pleasure, <laughs> and uh, um, I wish I could do more for you and and whatnot. But anytime you're out, this you make you make the effort to come out this way. Uh, and I know the hardships and the money it costs and all that. The little bit I can do to uh, make it um, a little easier on you, or you know, I, I will do time and time again. And besides, I enjoy your company. I enjoy your thought process. I enjoy your um, experience and uh, like I said, uh, 
having you, especially, you know, well, not just in company, whether it's my house or out in the field, but having uh, um, you on the field just adds a great element to what I am trying to get done and what I'm, my, my endeavors. And so, uh, darn right. Uh, trust me, I got, there's a little bit of motive there, Shelley. It's not just uh, Mr. Nice Guy actor. Uh, I want you uh, around where I'm at <laughs> doing what we're doing. So uh, there's motive there. So I'm not completely uh, Mr. Nice Guy, I guess. <laughs> Kumbaya. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it, it's uh, it's nice. And if you, like like Shelley said, if you would like to take a Bigfoot adventure, that's, that's course in Bigfoot adventures out of uh, Beaverton, Oregon. <laughs> his his home phone number is one <laughs> five five five. <laughs> uh, well, anyways, <laughs> but no, it's it's awesome that when when uh, friends can come in and 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 uh, other friends are able to, you know, there's a lot of a lot of crap in the Bigfoot field, but there there are a lot of good people too, and and uh, Shane is one of the the a top notch guys, so. Um, I have I echo echo Shelley's uh, sentiments about Shane. So, all right. But, well, let's, let's get back to Shelley here because I'm sick of about. This you enough about me. <laughs> yeah. Did I, I? I heard a tear. <laughs> so, Shelley, let, you, tell us about what you were out there um, running around looking for the big hairy guy. What what happened? What happened out there? Did we lose Shelly? Can you hear me now? Yeah, we I, I can hear you now. She's back. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got knocked off and I called back in. Y'all couldn't hear me, but I'm so sorry. But yeah, so what happened? Um, well, we met up with Kurt Brandenburg and Nathaniel York, and um, they took us to a certain location and a couple of different. I mean, we had been all over the place, but we end up in a certain location. And honestly, you know, I I, I just want to be in the area. I don't expect much, but uh, lots and lots and lots of what I would assume were tree knocks. Um, I mean, I'm honestly, I don't even know how to start because it's been an ongoing adventure and. Uh, we we got into camp um, around 6:30, I guess, seven o'clock. Visited, started, you know, setting up camp and such. And I start hearing um, what I would say sounded like an off off a mountain near where we were. Uh, something like a shotgun blast, or you know, but I knew it wasn't shotgun blast. I mean, I was pretty sure I was. But I had my recorder on, which I caught the recording. And, uh, you know, I asked other people to listen to it. They had heard, some had heard it, some had not. They were like, yeah, 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 that could be, that could be. Sounds good. Um, the first night, I haven't even gone through all the recording, all the audio, but I, I don't recall a lot. I mean, my memories. Kind of, I didn't write a bunch of things down at the time because I had my recorders on and I wanted to give all my time to my host and, you know, really get into the moment with them, get to know these people and understand what's going on with them and their research and, and such. And 
Then comes Friday night. Same thing, about the same time. Same direction, same variable of sound, same location. I hear the same knock. Same everything. And we get that on recording, and everybody starts to hear that. And I keep repeating. I'm hearing the same exact same knock, the sound, that whatever it is, it's exactly the same thing as I heard the night before. Okay. Well, not a lot happens. People are starting to get tired. Throughout the day, we've been running around, looking at different areas, talking about locations, scouting out, just, you know, getting to know where we're at. Water sources, food, you know, other wildlife in the area, uh, deciding where we want to set up any type of uh, audio. Uh, I... I had a game cam there. We didn't set that up at the time, but had talked about it. Um, just just discussing amongst ourselves the area and, and what we, will, we would like to see or what might possibly could happen for us. And uh, But anyway, we get to second night in this original, what I feel like was here we go, knock, or, or, or announcement. I don't know. It was just, Further away up the mountain, and a very bold and big. Well, the nighttime falls and things start to happen, and it's 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 noises, it's knocks, and it's very distinct knocks, very from and, and they're closing in. I mean, it got to the point where the knocks became just to the point where you, there were so many of them. It coming from one direction and closing in towards, uh, let's see, I'm facing, uh, I can't even tell you at this point. Nathaniel will be able to help me more on all this, but as time goes on, we're getting these percussion knocks. You know, like the percussion blocks that you hear people take out into the field? We get a very loud percussion knock and 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 I for, forgot to say um everybody went to bed except myself and Nathaniel I I don't I like to stay up all night and just listen and I said I'm not going to bed I'm gonna stay up and uh the rest of the guys went to bed there were I believe three other gentlemen there and you know the snoring starts <laughs> and the knock the knocks start getting start start the knock start so we get a distant percussion knock off to our left which was down like in a bowl um between us and the mountain where the original knock comes is uh some dense wood lines and then some open area and then some more density anyway we hear this percussion knock off in the distance to our our last, and within 10 minutes, we hear another knock to our right, which was a different a different sound, a different, more of a passive. The ones that I'm hearing to my left were more an aggressive, loud, bang knock. The ones to my right are more of a passive. I only get one to my right. In between the left and right knocks, I'm hearing breaking 
stomping. It, well, I don't hear footsteps, but we hear obviously something moving around. What it is, we don't know. Another 30 minutes go by, and we get a really huge percussion knock to our left. I feel that this thing that's making whatever knock, mouth pop, whatever it is, it's it made me jump. It was so loud. And it's a lot closer. It, it's at the most 50 yards, in my opinion, but I, I don't know. So, you know, things start to really, you know, everybody's attention. Nathaniel and I are, are are trying to talk louder and louder to see if that's obviously helping uh, to make things more active, which it seems it seemed to be. Uh, the guys are snoring away. Nathaniel goes over to one of the gentlemen and asks him if he's hearing what's going on, and he says yes, but. He's also snoring in between each knock, so I don't know. But uh, anyway, uh, I I can't recall what the time is between the last power knock to our left when, um, and and by the way, this is on uh, the night before the blue moon. So we have moonlight that's incredible. I can see everything in the camp. It's lit up like crazy so that was one of the reasons we figured oh it's almost right at the crest of a blue moon we're we're not going to see much because it's going to be so much light or nothing's going to happen because people make the assumption that you don't have activity during full moons and which I had said I've found that from the research I have you know looked into people have told me it's about 50 50 so anyway I want to say within, I know within the next 30 minutes to 45 minutes, there's something moving to our right. And I don't hear it, but I see it because I see three very large, what they look like at the tree line around where we were camping. I see three very, what I believe are three very large trees, but I also have pulled out my night vision which actually was a cluster of three trees, small trees, which made them look like large trees. So I'm looking back and forth. Anyway, I see something. I can see light in between these three clusters. And right below this this tree line is a slope with some trails that go down into a meadow behind it about I don't know, about 100 yards down, you're, you're into the meadow. And and the underbrush here is very, very, very light. You can see very well throughout the forest. Um, there's not a lot of obscurity. And I look over, I'm just sitting there in my chair chatting with, with Nathaniel and discussing how we need to be loud. And he's making all these crazy ape noises and... All of a sudden, from behind, around the, behind my tent, because I like to put my tent as close to the tree line as I can, I see a figure just block out the light. I don't know what it is, but it, and I say, there's something there. Nathaniel, basically, I guess, is going to tell me, no, there's not. And he looks, and as it glides down between these three trees, because it blocks out light, behind the tree blocks out light, behind the tree, 
he apparently sees something as well go down the hill and kind of gets really animated and excited. Um, what it was, like, I will never say it was a Bigfoot, but uh, I will say something walked down that hill. I know it was not an elk because the next day we did every kind of test we could with the height and people walking in the same place and there's no way if it was an elk, its butt would have been in the tree next, you know, in the light. It would have it would have canceled out two different areas of light. This thing I saw, what I saw was a silhouette, which was a black silhouette, you know, meaning a shadow, a head, an upright figure, but in a gliding motion, just ever so effortlessly and quietly moves across and down the incline. Um, I didn't, it didn't excite me because I wanted to make sure. I mean, I, I knew I saw something and I knew it wasn't a shadow, you know, it wasn't my eyes playing tricks on me as far as seeing something move across those three clumps of trees. Um, uh, Shelly, Shelly, real quick. Yes. We have Nathaniel on Nathaniel York on yes. line, so I'm going to I'm going to bring Thank him you. in. But one of the <laughs> yes. one of the questions one of the questions in our chat was, do you believe it was bipedal? Yes. Yes. Okay. Nathaniel, are you there? Yes, I am here. Hey, man, thanks for joining Hi, us. Uh, I know you've been listening, in, so you kind of know where we're at. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Fantastic. Well, um, continue on, Shelley, and, and Nathaniel, feel free to jump in and uh, and whatnot. Well, I just I just want to say, you know, I, I, just talking about this is really hard for me. I mean, I, I, people that know me well know that I don't. I'm always trying to discount myself for anything that happens, and I, you know, I know there was something there. It's hard for me to say what it was, but with all the accounts that had happened in the 10 days that we were together, it's very difficult for me to come to any conclusions. And uh, I feel my heart racing right now, and I don't want to be over-emotional, but it just was something that uh, at the moment I was very calm. I don't know. I think Nathaniel can tell you that I just don't, At the moment, I'm really, really focused on what's going on, and I want to be very Mm -hmm. aware and very clear that I'm not making mistakes Mm -hmm. because we we find too many assumptions in this game, and I don't want to be that girl, you know. So, But I'll hand it over to Nathaniel because he's had much more experience of being in these predicaments than I have, so he (laughs) could – his mind is very clear on what – and we'll go into what, how we handled ourselves immediately exactly. after that, after he talked for you. But hi, Nat. I'm glad to talk, I'm glad to hear you. I'm glad you're here to help us out. <laughs> glad glad to to <laughs> hop in here. Um, yeah, yes. So so Nathaniel, uh, you know, Shelley kind of touched upon some of the the uh, original knocks and stuff. You, you you can start there if you want from uh, some of the the sound and audio that you guys heard and recorded, and then lead up to th- this um, this uh, sighting um, that uh, you guys you know it, it's so interesting because you both happen to see this uh, 
this thing. And and I want to get to the steps uh, that led afterwards, what you guys did. But uh, start with some of the sounds you were hearing and, and maybe the distance you believe that some of them, you know, occurred at. Sure. Uh, we were originally sitting in our chairs underneath the uh, awning, and we were actually facing to the uh, east toward the slope where the uh, what she referred to as the shotgun knock uh, that had been repetitiously uh, happening uh, on that hillside uh, was. We were underneath this, the awning, and we were facing the, the entire cliff way off in the distance. Um, the camp is completely engulfed in trees all the way around. Uh, we're kind of the top. We're halfway up a berm, which then sloped up to the very top. And uh, it, was, it was almost like a very dry, low shrub, almost no lower shrub foliage at all. Forest, very, very much open, uh, except for at the bottom of the slope where the meadow gives way, which was engulfed in trees. But we were facing that direction, and what, what basically... The other knock had been earlier in the evening, and then we kind of discounted mostly the sound itself. But then the first percussion knock, which sounded very much like uh, one of the gentlemen who attended uh, had a percussion block previously, and he was knocking on it during the day. Um, later that night, something sounded just like it came in from the uh, northeast, more north than east, uh, in a in a bowl, as she described it, in the that sunk down the ground with more moisture towards it in the bottom and that knock happened we got a little little excited that something was happening wasn't wasn't entirely sure um then there was softer a softer knock to the to the right um of us and uh more toward the south and then about 30 minutes later another percussion knock this time a little bit closer and about 15 degrees more east uh again quite loud quite clearly wood on wood ringing type uh type of sound uh and we that at that point we were starting to really pay attention we could hear movement down the bank a little bit over toward where the soft knock had come from and on the south side of the slope or the north north uh, yeah uh, and we were paying attention at that point to everything that was going on between the two points. Um, then after about 10 minutes after another soft knock in response to the other, to the the percussion knock, we had uh, another really close, probably within my guess is around 100 yards, but at high volume, making it sound very close. Uh, and it, that, that made me turn my chair. I turned and looked at it, and I'm like, oh, boy there's something there's something going on uh and we were paying attention to that area very intensively we could hear then something moving down on the bank straight east that a uh, different sound we're, we're still not sure what what that could have been at all because that was about all the sound it made was movement um and then we went and after that knock we went over and i woke up one of the gentlemen in our group and uh, asked if they were, we just wanted to verify that there were other people, in fact, hearing this from different angles to find out what their impression of what was being heard was. Um, that gentleman soon got up and came over and uh, sat with us at our group and then stood over the stove warming his hands while we were sitting in our chair, our chairs. Um, me and Shelly were right next to each other. He was facing north, we're still facing east. Um, we talked a little bit. We were making noises, uh, a lot of uh, 
just goofy sounds uh, in between to sound kind of interesting, almost uh, laughing, joking, uh, funny voices type deal. Uh, and in between, uh, we finally she looked over and to the south and southeast, and there was a. She said a she saw something moving, and I go to turn to look at her and say, uh, "It's probably nothing. It's probably an elk." But before I can even get uh, the words out of my mouth, I glance over there and start looking, and I catch the um, profile or and silhouette of a large upright figure taking two to three strides uh, down slope, and then kind of angled at the very end of where I seen it and turned down the hill and kind of divided itself into the uh, young spruce that edged the meadow at the bottom. Um, and that basically what it looked like was a very, very large man moving very quickly, but all of the movement of the limb, of what limb I did see move, which was the arm which created an air gap against the body, which the moonlight shone through, I could still see because the back was the the background was illuminated by the moonlight on this tree shrubbery that we could uh see the silhouette very clearly against it like backlit and so it looked like all of its joints the movement of its upper body was i want to say slow in in like its pendular pendular movement of its limbs looked slow but it was moving a, a, a large amount of ground very quickly how uh, how how was it moving? Was it bobbing up and down, or was it uh, you know describe its its movement? Well, that, that's that's one of the very things that was interesting was that it did not appear to go up and down, bob or struggle or slouch or you know when you your impact, all your joints kind of buckle a little bit when you go down slope or hit uh, changes in terrain. Your your body kind of adjusts and acts like a shock absorber and therefore moves. This didn't appear to do anything like that. It looked almost like uh, it was walking like it was like it, more like it was gliding down the hill. Yeah. Uh, the running joke was that um, it looked something <laughs> like as if the upper torso of a gorilla was sitting on a unicycle, pretty much, <laughs> and rolling down the hill. <laughs> yes, that's the only thing I would accept. Is that kind of what you saw, Shelley, as far as the movement uh, uh, yes. or stride? Yeah. There wasn't a stride. I saw a gliding, upright uh, profile silhouette glide downward, angled across three open spaces between, or two open spaces between three trees, basically. And when I lost sight, he gained sight I, from what we believe. And and the most important thing we need to discuss is how we handled it. Exactly. In in this conclusion, because we didn't make the conclusion as collectively. We did this separately. And that's still. Yes. And let's let's discuss that because uh, you know, I, um, when you had contacted me, Shelley, and, and told me how the steps uh, afterwards, I was I was just you know I was like wow uh, that's fantastic and and it just really solidified some things at least uh that you both saw same thing you know there was no yes. real huge difference uh, so yeah please please do explain um well i got really you know i mean Nathaniel can tell you and i i just 
everybody starts talking and, and discussing, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, stop. Please stop talking. I can't talk about this because I don't want to pollute my images with your thoughts and your, your words, you know, as a group. So I immediately looked at Nathan and said, let's not talk about it. Let's draw what we saw tomorrow. Let's not discuss what, where it was. Let's not discuss what we saw. Let's just stop now. And that's what we did. And so Nathan actually did something quite brilliant and took a picture of what area he was looking at. And uh, with the light, it's the way the moon was, was coming in. He was able to alter the original picture. And then he actually drew in his image where he saw it. I, myself, did a draw a pencil drawing the next day. I had to take myself away from the area and just sit down and, and do a pencil drawing. And then we gave both drawings to Kurt, who then was flabbergasted on what we saw. I saw the first three frames, and Nathaniel concluded with the last frame. And it was quite amazing and, and almost overly emotional and, and uh, uh, it, 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 I was at a loss of words. A lot of tears, I guess, that day for me. I mean, Nathaniel can tell you more about the way I acted than I can because it was a blur. <laughs> but Nathaniel, you jump in. Uh, basically, the whole event was that we, we, we basically uh, took the time right there, right after it all happened, uh, and she said, well, let's not talk about it. Let's let's just tomorrow morning draw exactly what we've seen and uh, the most clearest points. And she drew her thing over at one side of camp, and I went over and did the photograph and uh, took the paint feature on my tablet and uh, drew in the clearest, I want to say standout frame in my mind of what I've seen uh, going down the hill where it was at. And uh, we lined up the images. Basically, both of us, she seen about from the same point I did, as as I understand, from the uh, just above where the, about just above mid-thigh, up maybe at the waist, it's hard to say, uh, up to through the top of the head uh, and everything in between. Uh, going kind of, ha- it was halfway down the slope and walking down the slope at an angle away from from us. Uh, first, it was kind of walking straight, actually parallel to the bottom of the hill, uh, and then angled off in between uh, a dip where, dip where two hills run together and then contoured down into the, the young spruce, which then run into the uh, meadow. So we both drew what we seen and uh, passed them around between, between Kirk and uh, one of the other guys there, and uh, they were both uh, shocked at, at the consistency between the two separately done drawings uh, between two people that had not even talked to each other since the event about the event at all. So that's pretty much the summing of what it was. I mean, there's we both drew the same thing, doing the, going the same direction, same angles uh, from the same event. Right. Uh, yeah. And also, on top of that, you know, we'll, we'll definitely get back to that particular sign, but uh, you guys had some other stuff happen. Uh, you guys had instances where there was stuff being tossed at camp. 
during a weird hour that I I, uh, I think Shelly could probably <laughs> yeah Shelly could probably talk more about this because I think a lot of the camp was asleep, but uh, uh, you know you guys actually took away uh, a few of the objects that were possibly thrown at you and um, and whatnot. But it was a good uh, Shelly. Correct me if I'm wrong. But you said about 30 minutes of stuff being tossed at you, but but not straight 30 minutes. It was that was the interval of time. I think it was uh, you know. Well, go ahead and e- you share it. Okay. There was well, a, oh. No, go ahead, Nathaniel. You can you can yeah. elaborate. Oh, I, was, I was gonna say I was I was not awake for the event, but according to the uh, audio recording, the yeah. events uh, pre showed uh, spans of uh, eighteen minutes, uh, seven minutes, three minutes, and then uh, something on the order of eight more minutes. So it was a varied amount of time, but uh, most of the events happened within a half hour. Uh, this instance of time overall. Um, I was not, in fact, awake for that. Um, I had been asleep. Uh, I was locked up in my car as the temperature dropped, and so I was not present <laughs> for that. Yeah. yeah. It. it um, well, let's... Okay, so after the main event, we had done some other experimentation the next day with adding people, staying up, but Nathaniel and I had felt like we were the two smallest people in camp. All the larger males had all gone to sleep. When most activity was happening, it was just me and Nathaniel or or me by myself. Um, so, it, 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 you know, what that plays into it, I'm not sure. Um so the next night, we really didn't have a whole lot of anything. So then we decided to leave and just venture into some other areas uh, in the state and go and look at some other locations, spend the night, put out recorders, nothing happening. We come back basically six days later. And Kirk and some other of his fellow researchers have discussed a theory of a six-day cycle, which we kind of thought, well, that's interesting. Let's see what happens. And so we arrived back after we had gone to, which was one of my favorite things, though we didn't find anything, was we went bigfooting at the beach. That was amazing. I loved it, and we have to talk about it, but we'll talk about it in a little mm-hmm. while. But anyway, we come back. Six days later, but we were arrive on the sixth day that evening, very, very late. Is that right? Isn't that right, Nathaniel? Yes, we it arrived was... quite late. Um, it was it, it was just after dark and um, around 10.30, 11 o'clock. And we pulled in and uh, threw camp up and basically we did stay up some. I, uh, I Kirk, no, I took that back. You and I went to sleep for a cat nap, so we'd wake up at some point in the night and go back out. But that did not—we did not reawaken. Uh, we Kirk did not. That's crashed. Right. Yeah, Kirk ended up crashing after trying to fight to stay awake. But uh, a lot of driving that day—you just—you just pulled a lot of energy out of us all. So we crashed yeah. and didn't think much of it. No other, no sound, no nothing. And then we went to bed, and that's when early in the morning uh, stuff apparently happened. Yes, because I had had a, a woken up about daylight, just right at the crack of dawn, and 
Nathaniel car was backed up very near to my tent and uh, Kirk was in his tent on the other side of me and his car was probably, I don't know, 30 feet away which his tent was. But anyway, I had had somewhat of a little bit of a nightmare about my daughter and it woke me up and it was at the crack of dawn and so I think, well, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm with, I'm not in a cell phone range and I'll just go back to sleep. And But at the same time, I'd also heard something hit one of the cars. Very loud bang, you know, hit one of the cars. And I'm thinking, oh, tree fall, you know. But we're really not near any trees that, I mean, there were a couple of trees, but they were dead and they didn't have large branches. But I still thought, oh, tree fall. I'll nod back to sleep. Tried to nod back to sleep and I don't know how long it was, not long, but then another bang, boom, 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 something rolling around on the ground, and I thought, wow, oh, I'll a tree fall, and then nod back to sleep, and this continued over and over, and I was starting to get upset because I could not go back to sleep. I'm thinking there's like a, a 800-pound owl in the tree knocking stuff off on top of it because it was happening all around me, but I couldn't. I had one one side of my tent open, but it was so cold that night. I shut the other side of my tent because I normally keep both sides open so I can always look out. And just constant. And, but the guys weren't waking up. I was thinking, well, maybe I'm just dreaming because the guys aren't waking up. I mean, surely they would be hearing all this. And uh, nobody ever woke up. And finally I got tired of it. But what I did realize was there was no birds chirping, and when the birds started chirping, I jumped up and got out of my tent. And immediately I'm walking around camp looking for this tree fall, and I find a couple of things, but nothing I really, you know, there's so much debris on the ground. I'm just kind of like, well, it's probably elk down there breaking stuff or, or just tree fall or whatever. And finally... Kurt gets up, and I said something to Kurt. I said, did you hear the, all the banging going on this morning and tree fall and all that? There was no wind whatsoever. And he said, yeah, I think I heard I heard something once. And I was like, well, I think there was a lot of stuff going on, but I don't, I don't know. I may have been dreaming. So we really kind of didn't worry about it or pay attention to it until later in the day when we kind of settled down and Kurt pulls out his recorder and starts listening to it and he's like, oh my God, this is incredible. It was so loud and there was so much coming into camp or falling around us and hitting the vehicles and hitting around the ground and loud, loud snaps and breaks and I think he said there were eight different episodes within 25 minutes. And, and on, uh, on those recordings, you can hear stuff bounce. You can hear stuff like ricochet. Oh, it, it makes you jump when you listen yeah. to it. It's so incredibly loud. And uh, uh, Nathaniel, you can tell us where was uh, his recorder was on top of his vehicle. Is that correct? Oh, no, it was on the tire. It was on his back yeah, tire. His microphones, uh, he, had, he had a set of omnidirectional microphones, and he uh, had them clipped to the actual tread of the one of his off-roading tires, his spare tire, uh, on the back of his vehicle. Um, Which was pointed, towards me. 
Yeah, it was face. Well, the vehicle um, was facing to the uh, north, and uh, one of the mics was uh, the the back of the tire was facing north. Um, your tent would have been east northeast of his mic, which is one of the directions his right channel was pointed, and then his left channel was pointed to the uh, uh, I think it was northwest. So yes. Um, and he picked up all of the sounds of what had happened with using that set of, that microphone and recorder that was attached to the, the treads, um, which I believe wasn't that the only recorder we had out that night. Yes, because we were so incredibly tired from our beach event because we had walked down 101 about eight miles. Didn't we figure we had done about eight miles that night? We stayed up till 5.30 in the morning. Uh, yeah, on the beach yes. and on the highway that night. And, yeah, uh, we did about. So, yeah, we did around. Uh, it was about three point five to four miles, going down the road, and then we angled off onto a uh, a trail gate thing, and we cut into the beach, and we went over to the beach and uh, found a plume, a just a absolute a bloom of jellyfish had washed up on the beach, and uh, there was they were so much bioluminescence it was crazy you couldn't walk on the beach (laughs) that was crazy and we actually did observe bioluminescence activity (laughs) that night which included yeah what was amazing to me was you touched these jellyfish and they weren't all they weren't alive they were dead and they still once you touched it it would glow blue and so, of course, we have a, a great time with that and just up and down the beach. And it was one of the most incredible experiences I think I have ever had. I was uh, jumping into bar ditches and um, living life that night. It was it was amazing. I loved it. And, but anyway, we were extremely tired because we got back at our camp at 530 in the morning at daylight. And I think we got maybe at the most three and a half to four hours of sleep and then drove hundreds of miles back to the original location and then that next and just threw up tents and passed out with our clothes on. I did. And then I wake up to flying debris and yes. everything yes. around me. I was going to mention, guys, I, you know, I, I had a chance to listen to audio while I was out with you guys when I met up with you guys up there and, uh, I was impressed with the well, with all the knocks and everything going on, um, but the the throwing uh, possible throwing incident where some stuff was coming in the camp, you know, uh, I was listening and I caught, and it's it's debatable as to what it was. Shelley said you were coughing, uh, but I I, I um, was listening at the tail end of one of the louder throwing events where it sounded like it ricocheted off a tree and hit the ground. I heard a uh, 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 like a very um, uh, I think Nathaniel, you listened to it too. And it was, oh, the, a, yeah. it, it was like a vocal. Uh, it didn't sound like a cough to me. It sounded like something was, you know, had was kind of shocked at what it had done or what. I don't know. But it, you heard the, the bouncing noise and then that vocal afterwards. Uh, the timing was uncanny for me. And, you know, that audio has still not been totally gone through yet. I can't wait to see what else you guys find yeah, and yeah. analyze. Uh, but that one little, uh, it was something you guys had missed uh, for whatever reason. But I, I had listened and, and caught that. I thought that was interesting. Uh, yeah, it, just, it, it sounded very much like something that, um, very much like something that Larry and I had recorded in the Tillamook area, 
in Oregon uh, after a throwing incident. Uh, so it, that to me was was pretty cool. Yeah. Yes, um, I, I I I don't believe I really got to hear the uh, the announce whatever sound you guys ended up hearing uh, following. But uh, uh, I I believe I I stepped away for something at the moment. But I remember you commenting on it. Um, I do know that based on from the first night we pulled in that I checked the space where my vehicle was to park in, uh, that there was no debris in it because my car does not have off-roading tires like Kirk's and uh, some of our other group. So I was uh, being very careful to inspect where my car was going to roll through and park. Uh, there was nothing. I, moved, I had pulled everything out of the space could have been in the way of my car's tires uh, the night that night. Uh, and I got up, and when we first all started analyzing, going over the events that had taken place early that morning, uh, I went over and immediately started doing a perimeter scan uh, about 20 yards out from camp in all directions. I started, all of it, you know, obviously, and all the way around the backside and got over to my car, got right in front of my car, and right there where I know for a fact there was nothing the night before, um, there was a block, a, I say block, but a uh, basically a little bit smaller diameter than a Coke can uh, piece of wood and somewhere on the order of six to seven inches long. And it was very, very dense and had some weight to it, uh, laying it, right next to the tree between Shelly's tent and my car. And mm-hmm. that piece of wood, we picked it up and noticed it was on top of the pine duff. So it was brand new. It was not there previously. My my dirty car treads through the pine duff were there, and this was on top. Uh, we took it and started whipping it at different trees to see if we could replicate the sound. And uh, the tree just above Shelley's tent, to the right of my vehicle and the right of the tent, um, was a pr- dead ringing match when I threw it with good enough force to the sound, one of the main uh, banging, knocking sounds uh, recorded, even down to the part where the a uh, piece of wood impacted the ground. So that was and, very and interesting. The, and the thing that was even crazier is that it came out of the campfire and it had a broken end, which was very fresh, we could tell. Because, I mean, I don't know how many hours we had spent analyzing all the sounds that we had heard. We were experimenting throughout the day. Okay, let's go and do this. Let's go and do that to see if we can replicate all the sounds from the first event to this event, and that little, it's not, it's not a little piece of wood, it's a good chunk, had been sawed off on one side, burned in a campfire lightly, it was all charred, but the other end was broken. So it didn't come from a tree break. It, right. You know, well, it came from I, another area. I would point out, though, simply that there was evidence of burning uh, were on many trees that had burn marks on them in that area. So, well, uh, true, true. But it, did but it didn't come from. I saw that it was a clear. It was a clear saw mark. Yeah, it yeah. didn't come off the tree that was that that was near it at all. It, it came from another. But we had found other um, campsites in the area and fire pits. Is what I'm trying to say. Not far from. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's many um, up the hill. There's another. Uh, fire pit from ours, and there's also one actually in the direction of where 
the uh, loudest percussion knocks came from a few about the week before. Right. Uh, there's been right. what we called uh, a, a larger base camp area, and we avoided that. And that was a fire pit and had little bits of wood chunks and stuff near it. So it's something, yes. it is it is feasible to see that something could have picked it up coming from there or something, or even from our camp at some other point while we were gone or something. Right. And but, what I I was discussing with Shane was, in the area we were at, there was a plateau above us and a plateau below us. It was like there was a vantage point. You could see us all the way around. We were in the perfect location for anything to view us and hide at the same time. I, I don't know. I just felt like... Yeah. yeah. Well, that was a great, great, yeah. great um, observance. I mean, uh, you're right. Uh, you know, Larry Turner and I had uh, made it up there late uh, Friday night, and but on our way up there, we were just, you know, we were we were just so amazed at the beauty of this this area and it's an area that i've been all around uh, the outskirts up and now in this particular area and, and the vastness of forest and beauty it, it was in water sources and, and animal life i mean we saw elk galore and uh we you know it, it was pretty amazing and so as we're going in there we're I, we're commenting back and forth uh, larry and i that it was just such a great habitat for for many animals and uh an area that we're like man i want to move here <laughs> it was just amazing but we uh larry and i make it up kind of late and uh you know we, we we set up you know our little camp and whatnot you guys kind of filled us in a little bit more got to hear about all the events and the, the, get a, a low down on the area and uh you know and i and you, know, you guys filled us in like i said all the the you know really interesting uh, stuff that happened and uh, fortunately for me, you know, that was a pretty quiet night. I remember because I was sleeping in my tent. We were bed fairly late. You got, uh, we wanted to mimic what you guys were doing. So Larry and I went to bed, and, and Kirk went to bed, and, and uh, Nathaniel and, and Shelly, you guys, you guys stayed awake for a while. I went to bed. It was, it was a quiet night. I didn't really hear anything. I didn't. Uh, it was just quiet, and I was kind of wondering if our perhaps uh, joining the camp. Uh, you know, as extra individuals and extra vehicles and extra tents may have subdued the. Uh, you know, uh, stuff that was going on. But, uh, you know, I got at, up early at the, the same, next... Oh, pardon? I was going to say at the same time, that, you know, you can go in a million different directions as to what right. may have right. stopped or not, or may, they right. could have just I, I, simply not been there. So Exactly. Could have been exactly. a whole range and, of things. Right, uh, exactly. So I, um, you know, I got up, uh, Larry and I, well, I heard Larry get up pretty early. I think he got up around 6, 6, 15 or so. And I, I was like, oh, I'm going to get up. You know, I, I didn't have a whole lot of sleep. I didn't sleep that well. I was comfortable. I just didn't sleep that well. But um got up fairly early, about 6.30, and, and uh, you know, I was I kind of wanted to stay away from the, the general camp because you guys were still sleeping. You guys been up late, and I didn't want to wake you guys up. Um, I heard Shelly move around a little bit, so I figured she was probably hearing us. But So I decided to go down the, the slope a little bit, down the hill, and Larry and I went out there just, you know, kind of walking around, checking out the area. It's our first daylight. So uh, went out there, and um, Larry went to go make coffee, and I sat down. I was just trying to be quiet. And I started, I did hear, uh, I did, and I got them recorded as well. And this was probably around 6.30, 6.45. I did record uh, three fairly good uh, knocks. Uh, there was woodpeckers going off, and there was birds and whatnot. But I recorded three fairly good knocks and came from three different directions that uh, at the time, I was like, "Wow, this that was that was a it sounded like a baseball bat on a tree. I mean, it was solid." Um, and so, 
you know, I, though I didn't experience what you guys experienced, uh, I didn't hear what you guys heard, you know, got to hear. Um, I did record some fairly good uh, knocks. You know, I, I won't call them wood knocks. When I don't know what they were, but they were good, solid percussion knocks. Uh, and uh, I'll share those with you, Nathaniel, later and, and uh, get some, you know, Larry and I are going to look at them a little closer. But they were solid. They came from three different directions. And it was funny because the birds, uh, there was uh, a couple of the birds, you know, right after knocks would just go quiet. They would just go dead quiet. And from one of the direction of the knocks, uh, this bird came flying out and right over my head to another tree and was just chirping like no other. So I, I found that interesting. Um, what made those knocks, I don't know, but they were interesting. But, uh, you know, going out to that area, I have to tell you the beauty and the awesomeness of this area uh, was just, uh, it, was, uh, it was just awesome. And so uh, I just wanted to throw my little experience out there with you guys. Uh, you know, and uh, you guys are very, uh, what I appreciate, especially, you know, I, I've been out with you guys. I know you guys well. But uh, I, I, the whole procedure of what went down, uh, which, you know, you guys had a lot of equipment out there. I mean, you guys did have FLIR. Uh, you know, you had uh, night vision and whatnot, and you had audio and uh, pretty much everything I would consider you need, you know. Of course, you brought Shelly's uh, infamous uh, DNA kits and everything. I mean, you guys were well prepared. And, and and had quite the experience, but the way you guys handled yourself, um, I just found uh, stellar and uh, and somewhat unheard of in a lot of circles or in in this field. You know, I, I would expect people to go out there and just you know after they see something or hear something, start just scrambling. You know, you guys handled yourself differently, and and and. It was just uh, the method, and I know, Shelly, you got a huge part in that, was just phenomenal. Uh, and there's, you know, well, and also I'll throw this in there, too. Um, so Larry and I went on a little hike that, that early morning, went out to a meadow, and we kind of sat down and just uh, we enjoyed our coffee. We hiked in with our coffee, and we enjoyed our coffee, had a little conversation, enjoying the beautiful day that it was, this huge meadow with the mountains, and it was that was nice. And on our way back, we took a trail. And we had seen evidence of um, evidence of uh, you know shoes and a, a tire track and whatnot, but we did find uh, one interesting. At least I found it interesting, and Larry did as well. Uh, impression or track that was just the one. Of course, you know the famous one track, but it was on 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 a um, like a logging road, and it was going in the direction of the woods. So there was no way. Uh, the way the woods are set up and the, the, the ground, there's no way to even, he wouldn't be find a track, another one. One really great impression. Now, one can argue, was it a human? Possibly. I'm, I'm guessing, it was about uh, between 14 and a half to 15 inches roughly, and the big toe was huge. And you saw the other toes, and there was a distinct heel mark. And I showed that to you guys. I showed it to you, Nathaniel. What were your thoughts on it? Uh, I know I, I'm not saying it was Sasquatch, but the, the impression it was in very powdery. It was almost impossible to really uh, to uh, make a cast of because it was so powdery. But it was it was fresh. You could tell because of when I stepped near it, my dust uh, and, and and went right across it. And I was like, oh crap! Uh, I don't want to mess it up. And I, I you know I took photos of it, and went out. But what was your impression of it, Nathaniel? Well, for, first, one of the things that impressed me about looking at it um, was the uh, mushrooming around the rear of the heel. 
where the substrate actually, when the weight was applied, kind of mushroomed up uh, at the base of the heel, right, right around the crest, creating like a horseshoe shape of uh, lifted soil at the back. The uh, the digit, the like all the digits, there were visible digits on it all the way from the pinky toe all the way up to the hallux. You could see a, a flat, large track of some sort, and it and again it is it's a it's that fine, very finely granulated, uh, sandy duff. Um, you even step in it, and dust flies up out of it and creates a cloud. Um, I, I, what I found interesting about it was just the and especially now that you you've done the measurements on it and found out it was roughly 14, 15 inches, that's uh, to me that just is even more interesting. Bears their 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 heel pad in most instances is pointed off the backside. Uh, almost comes to looks almost like a V with rounded edges, but um, this this was very different and it was and there was no evidence of claw marks that I could see in the in the forefoot. Uh, I mean, toward the toes off the forefoot, um, and it, it did look like a supersized uh, human-type track in the sand, uh, and definitely would be, it definitely would fit, but, it, you know, it, you just need a little more detail, more tracks, as always, you need them to leave yeah. more tracks. Yeah, and I'll give credit where credit's due, Larry Turner had found this, so he was a little bit further up the trail than I was, he had found it, and he sat there for... Uh, I was a little distance behind him. He said, hey, uh, you know, he, I saw him standing looking at something. So he said, hey, come here, check this out. And I walked up. And it was funny because uh, I was looking at it, and I saw it. I was like, wow. And I, I put it through my camera lens, and it, the detail was a lot more profound. But the way the light was, the light was changing the, uh, between the, the you know sun through the trees, I lost it for a second. You know, had this the light been a little bit different, we would have walked right by it. Uh, the light was just perfect at that moment. And I looked at it, and... Oh wow, that's really interesting. I put it through my camera lens, and it just the detail really kind of stuck out more. And so I took a variety of shots. Of course, uh, unfortunately, um, and this is a, a mistake. Obviously, I didn't bring a, a tape measure with me at the time or anything, and um, we weren't bringing. Well, it would be almost near impossible to cast. But we were just going out for a morning. We were planning on leaving early, and so I just wanted to get out and experience the area a little bit more. And uh, came across that, and I thought it was really interesting because it was how far away. Would you say that was a quarter mile, maybe a little more? From from. Uh, you mean the, uh, as the crow flies, it would be about, I want to say, a third of a mile. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty close. Okay. And then with, uh, but by road from our camp, that would have been uh, on the order of, shoot, probably about a mile. Okay. It was close, though. It was close to where we were camping, and, I, and that's what I, I found more, you know, compelling too, or at least very interesting. And uh, so. it was interesting, but out of all respect for everything, we didn't see it in person. And I, you know, not to discount anybody, but you know, especially like for me, and and just what had happened throughout all the events, and this annual can tell you, and Shane will tell you too. I pretty much, my emotion is, I think, when I would have my little crying episodes, is because I'm frustrated with the fact that I can't pinpoint exactly what happened, by what made those sounds, what that image was, because it's, it's not definitive. I mean, it's so, the more I do this, 
the less I know. It's it's almost to the point of frustration to to where you know I need Bigfoot to just slap me in the face. So yeah. forgive me, you know I'm always going to question everybody and including myself, and that's why I'm so frustrated. Or or I have my I mean, it drove me nuts because I couldn't put an explanation. We how many hours did we spend, Nathaniel? slapping trees and with every kind of piece of wood, every size of tree, every location that we thought it came from, every, and I got different size guys. I was like, go over here and do that. Do it on that tree with that piece of wood. Do this, do that. I mean, it just drove me insane because I couldn't say that's it. We couldn't, there was no way we could put the impact of power behind the noises we were hearing on these tree knocks. That was killing me. Yeah, but that's to be commended. That's to be commended because uh, you weren't jumping any conclusions. You were just going off what you saw and heard, you know. And you know, you didn't see a Sasquatch hit a tree or bang it. And no, the, the, even even the the image that you saw was questionable um, because it didn't come up and slapped you in the face. <laughs> so that's to be commended. No, and that's the way. Um, that's true research. Uh, I know everybody at camp appreciated uh, your approach and and mimicked the approach of, of others. So uh, that's nothing to be ashamed of. Or, you know, uh, it, it is frustrating, definitely frustrating. But at the same time, it's uh, very interesting and uh, and to be commended uh, from from that approach. That's that's a scientific approach. That's uh, not the the regular human. Uh, Average researcher uh, enthusiast approach. Uh, everybody will will well, Sasquatch did that and Sasquatch did this, but that approach there is is um, you're looking for answers and not coming to an answer based upon exact you know what you what you think you heard or saw. Right, and and the thing was for me what Nathaniel kept telling me, which excuse me, he's absolutely correct with all the collaborating events. You know, it wasn't just a tree knock. It wasn't just an image walking between trees. It was event after event after event that really was throwing me for a loop. And it it, it was very difficult for me to even consider anything like a Sasquatch, but I understood it, you know, as far as what else could it be. I mean, I'm still looking for that answer. You know, Nathaniel said, you're going to be going over this time and time and time again, you know, and, and he's, he's right. And it, it becomes emotional because I'm so aggravated with myself because I want to be true and correct in anything I say. Then all I can do is tell you what I heard and what I saw. And the best I can do was that drawing the images and doing my recordings, which have hours and hours, and now I'm finding more and more. Nathaniel, we found even more tree knocks. What was very interesting was the guys would go out far away and do tree knocks and say, did you hear that? And we're like, no, we did not hear that. You know, and then they would say, we just got a tree knock. Did y'all make that tree knock? No, we didn't hear it. So they were in areas or something was making tree tree knocks or pops or clacks or whatever it was between them and ourselves and they would hear some and we would hear some and then 
it was just, oh my gosh, it was overwhelming the amount of things that was, that were coming in and we were doing everything we could to discount anything, you know, human-like wildlife in general. And, uh, and we didn't even talk about the, the, uh, howls from the distance that were happening, which, you know, Larry Turner has listened to him. He says it's a barred owl, which, you know, hey, he's probably right. That's the most probable thing, but it's just, it, 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 it's crazy. I, like I said, the more I do this, the more I learn, the less I know. And I'm just glad to be surrounded by individuals like Shane and Nathaniel and Larry and, and of course, Kirk. And, and it was just, the adventure of a lifetime. I, 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 I can't get over it. And I, I think uh, I'll be thinking and analyzing this for, for many, many months, if not years, on what just, you know, took, took place. Hello? Hi, Shelley. This is... I'm here. I've been listening listening the entire time. You guys, I mean, it's just fascinating to me. First of all, I, I have a huge appreciation for the, the Bigfoot last approach when I first heard heard that phrase, and I know that, that it uh, came came to you, it, uh, or came from you. If, uh, like that, that, that is the perfect mindset to have when you're out, you know, Looking, yeah, it, we have yeah. to run things through a very fine filter. All in, um, so you're so Shelly. Pr- prior to th- this trip out here and and your these recent uh, occurrences, have what was your your context of of uh, had you had a sighting before? Oh no, absolutely not. I mean, my <laughs> I've I've talked about it before, but. I'll talk about I'll I'll just touch upon it um a little bit. Um back in nineteen eighty one my husband had an encounter in uh deep east Texas, uh in the uh, uh I can't even think of the name of the national forest, but um anyway, he had been invited to leave the woods one night. And uh, some people know, I've known my husband since I was 13 years old. I've been married to him for 28 years. Um, He had continually told me the story of him going deep into the Sam Houston National Forest. That's it. And uh, was meeting up with a friend the next day to do some hunting and uh, went down there with his four-wheel drive, drove. We don't really have logging roads in that area. Uh, back then, you could just drive through the woods and make your own path. And uh, he took his four-wheel drive and de- drove down into the woods a few miles and, uh, and just basically made a campfire, laid himself out on the ground in his sleeping bag with his weapon. In the middle of the night, something came up to his his camp and circled him time and time again, breaking and and uh, making a loud racket and basically scaring him to death, I guess. I, I hate to say that because he's not scared of anything. But 
he packed everything up, or he didn't pack anything up. He grabbed his guns and drove over his fire and left and slept at the nearest gas station and waited on his friend. And I heard this story for 20 years over and over and and uh, kept trying. We just would discuss and discuss what, what it possibly could have this have been that would make such a racket break everything around his campfire, his, his camp, and run him out. And finally, one day it dawned on me, I said, that was a Bigfoot. And he, he simply said, I didn't want you to think I was crazy, but that's what I think. And from that day forward, I just I was on a mission. As soon as our children grew up and were out of the home, I, I, I know my husband, and I know he's a truthful man, and and I was gonna. Um, my mission is to find out what this is and what ran him out of the woods. So, no, I. I mean, I. I have had what possibly um, was an encounter in the Olympic project with Adam Davies. We had something follow us down the trail, hundred yards, and grunt at us three different times. And Adam had grunt at it. And I mean, there's. You can listen to one of our episodes, and it'll be out in his next book. But uh, that was as close of an experience as I could possibly have had without seeing one other than this one here uh, that I just, you know, experienced this last uh, week. But no, you know, so I'm extremely skeptical of everything, and and uh, not of Bigfoot being an entity on its own. I believe it's very reasonable to believe that there is such a creature. I just have a really hard time in believing what he does and what is called evidence and activity. But um, this this was something I just... I'm I'm trying to figure out what other experiments I could do to come to a different conclusion at this point. And Nathaniel, I think, got a little probably frustrated with me at the fact that I just can't say it. I, I it, it, you know, my emotional side came out because of frustration with myself and uh, uh, what I could not explain and and uh, my background in needing facts and visuals and I need to see a Bigfoot hit a tree say that's what it was. So if that answers your question. No, that's, I mean, and I'm, I'm very much the same way. I have not had the visual confirmation, you know, and, I've, and I'm, I'm careful not, when I hear, I've heard knocks or something that, you know, sounds like a, what would most people describe as a wood knock, but like you say, until I see a Bigfoot hit a tree with, um, yeah. it, it could be some other, there could be some other explanation. So, so Shelly, what, I mean, you saw something. What yes. I mean, can you, what what can you eliminate as a possibility from what you saw? Well, it was a bear because it was too it was too upright and it was too the profile had a head. I mean, it it, it looked like a head. It looked like the side from and what I would explain as from the mid thigh up was a, a upright figure with basically a rounded, maybe a conical head. I don't want to say one or the other because I'm not that sure, but I do know there was a head. 
in a profile, like from your shoulders down to your thigh. People ask me, did you see arms swinging? No, I can't say I did. I can't say I didn't. It was so quick. Now, mind you, this was in the dark with extremely bright moonlight. If you all remember, the night before the blue moon, everything was lit up like... I mean, I could see every tent, every vehicle, every tree. But then when I would look through my night vision, what I see is one tree would maybe be a cluster of four trees very close together. So I was seeing very prominent shadowed shapes, but I wasn't off enough to say I completely didn't see that. You know, I mean, but this thing was moving, and it was moving in a very fluid downward motion across three clumps of trees and it was blacking out the light between each clump of trees, which was, I would say, between each tree was at least four to five feet of space and it would black it out completely. Now, if it was an elk, I would expect to see some of the, the I would expect for it to black out part of one area as well as the other, and it absolutely was not that. Um, We even did some experimentation and looked up um, and talked to Nathaniel, because Nathaniel's like an encyclopedia. Um, If it were were an elk, would an elk turn its head as it's walking? Would it, you know, how would the neck be positioned as it walked down the trail? What kind of noise would it make? I mean, there were not four legs. There were only two. And, but I didn't see the legs. I just saw one upright figure, and I I had my drawing, but I spilt coffee on it, so I need to, like, kind of darken it up. But I'll post that picture eventually so people can see it. But it just was an upright, straight figure that glided down the slope between tree, between tree, between tree, within maybe two to three seconds. I mean, it was fast, but it was fluid. And I didn't get excited. I just watched and observed and told Nathaniel there's something moving. And he didn't, I don't believe he saw the first two frames of what I saw, but probably the third frame and the fourth. And then he saw the fourth frame, which I did not really see much of. This thing I could tell was turning away from me as it glided past. And Nathaniel, how far was it from where we were seated to where we saw the figure? I, You're better at Probably. estimating distance. Uh, I would say on the order of around 40 to 45 yards. Maybe at that most. Yeah, yeah. maybe. I, I would say, yeah, for, 40 yards at most to me seems right based looking in retrospect to the pictures where it was on the bank and where um, we put our guy with his hat to try to replicate it. That was the right. thing. The and next it, morning, the next yeah. morning we went back and tried to replicate exactly what happened, where it was. There was two trails that were prominent. One was a very obvious elk trail. The elk trail had uh, lots of wear and sign, you know, no dust left on it. It was actually just troughed out completely of soil. You, you could see a, if a if basically if a pigeon was walking on it. I mean, uh, the secondary trail where the animal, our mystery animal was at, or whatever, um, 
was a padded trail, the trail halfway down the bank, uh, secondary to the game trail. It was uh, still had duff on it. It did not. It had no exposed soil, just duff. But it was uh, wide, and it was about about the same size as the oak trail, just not missing all the duff. And uh, that is what the animal we believe paralleled and then uh, crossed over last minute at the end, angling down the bank. As far as what I seen. Um, very clearly, I, I seen it better, uh, as far, I didn't see it as long, but I seen, what I did see was, I believe, a little better than what, uh, her angle was, because I actually seen it start to turn away from me, and I could see more than profile. I actually seen it from about 30 degrees axis on the body from, uh, from profile, from profile view. Um, so you could actually see the back of the left shoulder, the front of the right shoulder tilting forward. Um, and I seen the arm come back in the last frame of it that I did see going downhill. I saw the arm swing back far enough to create an air gap between uh, the joint of the elbow and the side of the body, um, which is evident in my drawing, which will, again, that will as well be posted alongside of it. Um, as far as the height, I'm I'm coming to on what, what was it, if it was on that trail on the bank, uh, is close to eight feet and easily twice as wide as any normal person through the chest. And what it, the thing for me that was I was trying to really focus on was what trees were passing across it, whether they were in front of it or behind it. So we made dang sure that when we had someone walk in that pathway, that they were at the right spot because I do remember a small little spruce tree in front of it, not behind it, so I knew it was on the correct trail. And mm-hmm. when he held his hat up at the at the height of it, this thing was wide. It looked very narrow when I saw it pass by because I'm seeing a profile, but when the gentleman went down there to do the reenactment for us and hauled up his hat. He had the right trail. He had the right height, but it was nothing near as wide as it was when we actually saw it, and that was disturbing for me. I mean, at that yeah, moment, it was it, it was darn near twice as wide as he was. Yeah, through from yeah, from back absolutely. to chest, it was darn near twice as wide. Um, I well, seen. Um, Nathan, yeah, what, I mean, what what conclusion do you draw? I mean, so we know it wasn't a bear, it wasn't an elk. I mean, there, after a while, you run out of of known animals that you know that it's something that's twice as wide as as a man walks upright with swinging arms. I mean, yeah, um, and and you know, it's one of those things we'll never truly have the answer to that experience, but it's. One of the the it, we're, we've run completely out of uh, really avenues to research that that it could be you know could be this could be X it could be Y uh, elk doesn't fit bear doesn't fit deer is just completely out of the question and uh, what what I what yeah, I ended up telling yeah, they're all out of the question what, what yeah. I, what I what I came uh, want the only example of any kind of thing that would look similar would be if you had basically a very large NBA basketball player walking down that bank. That would be the only thing near near the but, the uh, 
add, the movement add inside. 500, add about 500 pounds to him, and you got NBA player 500 pounds heavy or walking down the path. What it yeah. was... I mean, no one should be quick to... Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, people want you to say it's a Bigfoot. I mean, but... I can't say I can't. I know, but, but people do. I, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. People do. Right. I'm, I, no, they do. I didn't... I can't... I didn't see a face. I didn't see hair. I saw a... a I know I saw a prominent shadow of an upright figure gliding down a hill between trees that was larger than a human. That's what I saw. What it is, I don't know enough about the world in general and what all lives here and what is possible. I just know what it was not. <laughs> and it wasn't any of those things. So Yeah, and the interesting I, with all the, the context of of the other evidence yeah. or the other yes. right events that, that took place during the time yes. you guys were up there. That's I mean, why it's so frustrating is so many right. other events that not were with they were within minutes apart from this. And then right. as soon as all that happened, as soon as it left, everything stopped. No more knocks, no more anything. It was done. Silence. Let, let me let me ask you guys a question. You know, I know this is probably run through a few people's head listening to the show is why didn't you guys chase after it? Why not chase after it and blah, blah, blah? It's not advantageous to chase after something if you're hoping that the, continue, that the activity continues. We weren't, we're not trying to just chase something down so we can just get a look at it and be that good enough. That's, we're trying to figure out, we're trying to get data on what is going on. Was that what was actually coming into camp? We're trying to, to as a passive things so that way the anything entering our environment feels comfortable and chasing after things as I've experienced in the past couple of years chasing does not does not work it, all it does exactly. is it spooks things off from you in general and it, uh, it was gone it was way gone yeah. before we could have gotten up to even go after it there, well, I mean, you're in the, yeah yeah you're in whatever, the dark you know yeah yes and whatever it was is very comfortable in the environment you know, I'm visiting that area. This thing, for me, seemed like it lived there. It knew what it was doing. It was very manipulative and knew exactly its next move. And w there's no way we could have even caught up to it. The way that it moved and how fast it was, it did. I mean, it was almost like at that point when I saw it, it was like it didn't even care if we saw it. It was going to be out there so quick, it wouldn't matter what we saw. It was on its way. It was done with us, whatever it was. It observed and it left. That's, that's and, and how it, our immediate, Our immediate reaction uh, following the experience was I immediately turned in my chair, turned my head to follow the angle of it moving, but we didn't get up out of our chairs and just start running down that direction or, or hitting it with light. We, the first thing we thought was, okay, it's going down this way, whatever it was. Let's see what happens now. Let's uh, discuss uh, what our plan of action should be. Should we go to bed? 
uh, we were trying to yeah. make a, a continuation of what was happening. We did not necessarily want to stop. For all we knew, it could have been up trying to get the high ground and going around us. We weren't sure at that point. One so of we the were, interesting things. You were just. One of the interesting things as well was I said one of the interesting things as well was Shelley's tent. This thing had to go right by her tent, and her tent was placed outwards at that time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and I know Shelley found that a little unnerving. <laughs> Well, yeah, actually, the two closest tents it went near was uh, Shelly's first. It, if it had coved around the backside of that berm, it was no more than 20, uh, 20 yards, maybe 10 yards from her tent. Uh, and then it, the next nearest tent would have been Kirk's tent, which was straight south of where it basically disappeared behind uh, and down away from. And that was about, I want to say, 25 yards from Kirk's tent. So. Yeah, those two, two, there, those two tents and her tent especially uh, were close to where the animal was hanging out. What I find amazing and 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 uh, so I'm I'm really thankful, but I'm also perplexed by the whole uh, events from the last, you know, two weeks. Was that every episode? pretty much, with the exception of one gentleman's stuff that was going on while we were gone during the day, because I pretty much was there for everything. Like, I was up during every episode. I had heard almost everything that anybody experienced. I got to be a part of it. And some people would be asleep, or some people would be off in a different direction. But I was Anything of importance in my in my mind that happened, I got to be a part of, and I was just like, "Oh my goodness, what do I do? You know, what do I do with all this information?" And by the way, Nathaniel, I've been listening to audio ever since I left camp yesterday, and <laughs> you remember there where there was all kinds of stuff going on between um, my tent and. The power knocks to our left. Yeah. Remember, we were hearing. I have that all on audio, and it's very loud. And there's a lot of breaking and walking going on. Or, well. So yeah, we we, we 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 were at the time we we thought we had heard something moving down the hill over on that side as well, but uh, mm-hmm. we weren't sure uh, whether it was the same thing or if it had any kind of size to it. It was just a lot of sticks, uh, uh, t- sticks and twigs. Um, snapping and movement, brush and stuff, but we weren't sure if that was associated. Was it an animal trap between the two subjects that were knocking uh, that was kind of just panicking the brush to move out of the way, or we weren't sure. Uh, but yeah, well, uh, that's going to be interesting to listen to. Yeah, it's very loud and very um, prominent. It's just, you know, and like you said, I don't know what it is, but I've got it on audio, and Actually, we're finding things on the audio that we didn't even hear. So and, yes, when I was that, reviewing, when when I was reviewing one of my files as well, I was noticing that there were distant knocks that we were just talking yes. right over that we could not hear. Yes, and uh, that's one of the huge advantages to actually placing your audio recorder away from your camp, about uh, twenty to fifty yards, is you can you can keep track of the edge of your conversation in memorable points so you can remember what happened in respect to what time, but at the same time you can pick up uh, the ambient sounds that you're you're missing even in the environment and possibly close to whatever thing would it be observing. 
This is why we were putting them on the stumps and putting them up the hill and putting them down the two track to try to get different angles and uh, distances. So yeah, you get a lot more interesting stuff that way. So Nathaniel, can you touch upon something we haven't really talked about, which really creeped me out? Was was it the next day or yeah, the next day that night when you went up on the hill and we heard the two tree fall and what you had done? Ah, that was yes. Just a, Earlier that in was, the night. Yeah, yeah, earlier in the night, we had, um, uh, just for fun, uh, we were we were having everybody around talking, laughing and all that, and all of a sudden, we were preparing uh, our gear for the evening and getting things ready, and a tree out of nowhere, just just huge tree, just, well, it sounded like a huge tree, uh, cracked and then busted over into the uh, trees, into the bowl area, as we refer to it as, um, straight uh, east of camp toward the cliffs, but between the road and us, seemingly, or maybe just on the other side of the road, I'm unsure. But that tree went down. Um, we thought, you know, oh, we heard a tree go down. You know, that's kind of cool. It's probably, you know, that still could be the answer. But um, later in the night, uh, I went up on the what we're we're calling the hill, which is we're sad. Our camp was saddled halfway up the hill, between the bottom of the bowl and the peak of the hill. We were in the middle you're trying to give things the high ground and as well, giving them the lower cover to allow them to move around our perimeter of camp with the complete stealth option, just making encouraging an approach, if you will. But, uh, I went up the hill to the very top and they're like, you should do some screaming and, uh, samurai chatter gibberish stuff. And, uh, I, I practiced it for a while. So I, I said, you know, what the heck, I'll give it a shot. And uh, I went up there, and for about five minutes, I screamed and ranted and threw a fit, if he, you will, trying to sound like a very angry Sasquatch. Uh, and he and did. I, it, it, it was it was awful. It was creepy. Kirk was creeped out. I was creeped out. But it was it was it was great. I mean, this boy needs to sell this stuff. But go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but um. I, I just about had concluded my my uh, my uh, e- episode, and um, I was just drawing down and kind of petering out this my sounds, just being real, you know, trying to drag it out a little bit, and I got ready to stop. And then right as I got ready to stop, a freaking giant tree straight into where the so- uh, softer knot area, maybe maybe a few degrees to the uh, yeah uh, south. It was the southern side of our hill where our figure the few nights before had disappeared behind into across the meadow. A, a large, again, a large tree immediately got, uh, just had just busted over for whatever reason. And, uh, I, uh, did one final loud scream in its direction and then came down the hill and we fell silent for about 45 minutes. Uh, to see if anything would happen. And beyond that, not much that we could discern had happened. We heard some yodis and stuff, but beyond that, and some bar owls, but beyond that, nothing else ever responded that we know of. It was creepy. And it was, that was, that was what was so amazing is that there were a few times when we had um, 
some kind of forest response, and that that one was very eventful for me. I I couldn't believe it I, because I'd never heard a tree fall, and when you hear a tree fall, you know it's a tree fall. Now, what made it happen? I don't know, but what we're or looking two at, in one night, two in one night, two and five minutes yeah. apart. Right. Uh, also, it should be noted, uh, one other interesting thing that had happened was, uh, I, I'm not sure if it was, yes, I think it was that night, earlier in the night, you had done a whistle, and directly yeah. responding to your whistle was this incredible percussion knock uh, from straight <laughs> toward the road. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, directly responding to her loud whistle. I mean, seconds afterwards. Uh, everybody in the group just kind of turned. No, They're no, they are shrill, loud, bust your eardrums, crazy whistles. And it was funny because she just finished, and the knock happened. Everybody in the group just kind of turned and looked at each other like, oh, <laughs> well, something something either liked it or didn't like it, <laughs> one or the other, um, in direct response to her whistle. So, um, Yeah. That was another thing of interest. It was a very active overall uh, period of time in the woods, and all of the information is logged. We have everything from the time, temperature, uh, mm-hmm. elevation. Everything is logged on what it was. And hopefully with enough time in the area and enough time out there, um, providing that that pe- the group can function for uh, financially and everything to get in the area again as often as possible, we, we may be able to learn something about whatever animals are, or things or creatures are doing these this uh, routine in this type of activity up in the area. So it's quite exciting in itself, just knowing that we can go back and keep experimenting and see what happens over time. Well, we've got a a listener here that has a couple questions, so let's go ahead and, and bring them on. Hey, you're on Monster X. When you have eliminated the po- impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. So yeah, I, I quoted that to her, her as well at camp. <laughs> hey, honey Hi, Henry. Hey, honey <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I was listening intently to uh, y'all's talking about what happened to y'all. Um now, I know, I know, Shelly, as, as thorough as you are, I know you guys went over to the spot where you saw this thing. You, you most likely did uh, height comparisons and things like that. Uh, did you come up with any kind of um, any kind of estimation of how tall this thing was? Uh, yeah. Um, um, we. What was it? Okay, so the gentleman that stood in the area for us was five eight and three quarters inches and he was able to put his arm straight up with his hat and I think we estimated between what seven and a half and eight foot tall yes right in that region that is that is that is right on the nose of what um, my estimation was I would say between uh, seven 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 and somewhere on the order of eight somewhere in that region very large there's a little trail behind there, correct? There's yes, two it is a, it is a, yeah. it, there's two trails. One is very prominently and clearly an elk trail. This shows classic elk sign. There's rubs along yeah. the route riding up the ridge. There's um, tracks, uh, feces, uh, leads right to the backside of the bedding site where the wind 
actually is, uh, you know, well, they, they walk mainly the ridges where they are halfway up and they can listen and uh, catch wind of a predator lying in wait. Um, and, and it's and clearly from, an out trail. But the one, the, the we one were... other one was not, uh, did not, well, I shouldn't say was, was not an elk trail, but it was seemed very different from the clear elk trails in the area. Uh, still had the duff on it, did showed no elk feces on it. Um, and it actually, uh, seemed a different use type of use for the trail. It wasn't just a, uh, like an ungulate trail. It was different. And probably what would you say, Nathaniel and Shane, uh, from that trail down to the meadow at the bottom of this incline, I would say about 200 yards, there's a meadow with a running Correct. stream in the meadow where we actually converging water. Yeah, convergent. Yeah. Convergent, yeah. And it's we a convergence of at least two streams there. running and, into the meadow. And on top of that, you could definitely yeah. make out a ton of elk beds out there. I mean, they were everywhere out there in that. Everywhere, uh, yeah. Everywhere. Elk beds galore. It, and Yeah. Yeah, and there were tons of cows out there. I mean, cows. I mean, you know, elk. Uh, and and I saw oh, absolutely, and whatnot everywhere. And there, yeah, and, me and, and Kirk. I was saying, uh, me and Kirk had actually heard a lone coyote throwing some sort of temper tantrum on his own, and we uh, first thought it was maybe a yote uh, going uh, calling in her pups or something. But upon get, we kept getting within forty yards of this coyote who was doing these sounds. Um, and it would not, it'd stand its ground. It would look at me, run back about 25 yards, stare at me, and then repeat, and I seen the coyote during day. This was during daylight. This was not at night. Right. We could not figure out at first what was going on, and then we kept hearing uh, wincing, uh, throaty, uh, uh, bugling-type sounds. Not not bugling as in the males, but like a cow, uh, the right. wincing uh, whistles that they do. And uh, this elk, lone elk, uh, was responding to this coyote doing uh, vocalizations, its own vocals. And we trailed up on the Yodi, then gave up on the Yodi and went down in the meadow and got right up probably 60 yards from a cow, large, large cow elk um, standing right down in the meadow. She had just stood up out of her bed. She had hair stuff stuck to her hair. Um, she had been right down in there the whole time. Uh, and there's just elk beds absolutely everywhere in that meadow. But speaking of coyotes, yeah. one of the one of the really cool uh, things <laughs> I'm personally, you know, I've been around coyotes. I've heard almost every coyote noise out there. But one of the things I've never experienced was the length of time during that Friday night that we Larry and I had showed up was a coyote going from about what six o'clock in the evening till uh, five, five in the morning. Six in the morning. Yeah. It was not. Yeah. I, it was not, continuous. It was entirely continuous. There was and, no and, pauses, no breaks. There was one pause at about 1 o'clock in the morning, right. and it was for about 45 minutes. And then uh, immediately, basically the moment I slammed my door in my car, uh, it started up again, and it just went on and on and on. I fell asleep to it happening, yeah, and we'd heard like, it all night. Mm-hmm. It was just very – uh, I've never experienced anything like that. Go ahead, Shelly. Sorry. What I was going to say is in Texas – that's the thing. You know, I've been I've been to the Pacific Northwest now, what, this is my fourth time. Yes. And what I'm always amazed at is that, and, and I, forgive me the way I, I describe it, is it's very difficult to find wildlife 
just passing through, you know, in certain areas in, in, compared to Texas. When and, and, and the way I describe it is, you know how when you're on a trip, you play uh, what license plate you can find, you know, on your road trip? Well, we play what wildlife can you find on your road trip? Because we see everything just everywhere. I mean, just the wildlife is extremely abundant and it's overpopulated and it's in the roads all the time. So when I came to the Pacific Northwest, it, it, it was kind of weird for me because I wasn't seeing wildlife just crossing in the roads in front of me everywhere I went and walking down the trails. But this location, this specific location, I saw a lot of wildlife for the first time that I've been here, which was so different from what I've experienced in the other times I've been here. I saw everything from rabbits to coyotes to, of course, elk, deer, um, red squirrel, chipmunks, uh, bats, it, just anything I really wanted to see. Well, I didn't see any raccoons. Yeah. Everything. I mean, it was just really way more abundant in this one specific location because I've been here now 10 days. No, I've been here now 12 days. 10 days in the wilderness going from location to location to location and Yes, I've seen some snakes. I've picked up a few, um, you know, but really um, this was the most prominent area for wildlife that I've seen in the Pacific Northwest compared to Texas. I just wanted to throw that in. Yeah. Uh, one, of, one of the things that I found amazing personally, I, I'm, I just recently migrated myself uh, from Michigan to the uh, Pacific Northwest uh post falcon project or whatever you want to call that organization of effort. what is it called again? Um, <laughs> the, the, no, the, oh the oh, i'm sorry I, I i have to say falcon project but um <laughs> there's other words for it but um basically i migrated here from michigan uh to to basically participate in more serious research to to try to make a difference because uh, struggled very recently uh, in Michigan to make my way, but aside aside that from that aspect, I noticed that some of the wildlife out here is altogether large, very large. Um, for instance, when she brought up snakes, uh, the largest garter snake I have ever seen in my life, a, a garter snake three foot long and as big around as a wooden dowel, I mean, just, just humongous, mm-hmm. the largest I've ever seen. She she and I caught it in the field, uh, down I mean in the meadow down there, and I've all manner yeah. of deer everything. Just especially seeing elk really out here was just a, a bit of a thing to take me back on. It was just they're massive. So yes, yeah. I, I for me there's a big adjustment as well between the the flora and fauna like my, where I grew up and what is out here is it is I can definitely see the difference that you're bringing up and. And the variety of of uh, hardwoods mixed with the pine forest and the variety of trees. Well, I mean, we had a day, Nathaniel and uh, Kirk and I sit down and we discussed the trees in the area and figured out what tree. We, we pulled out our book. Uh, Kirk has has a uh, a book, so we pulled out and uh, 
really started schooling ourselves on the ecosystem and the trees and the fauna. Um, Nathaniel and I have been through the forest for a while just trying to figure out what we could eat. I mean, we 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 really tried to live off the land a bit and and uh learn our environment as as well as we could in the smallest time frame we 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 had but i mean uh I was making fishing nets and uh creating uh what is it symbol berry syrups and and just really trying to work with nature and not against it um but uh yeah the the gar the the snake that we found that one i I ran up on three snakes sunning themselves when I had to go excuse myself, but that thing was huge i've never it, it it was what I would say six times the size of something I would see in Texas as far yeah. as that that species of snake yeah that's that thing weighed weighed had to have weighed darn near an actual whole pound. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. I, imagine I, it weighed I picked at least it up. A, yeah. he, he was a big guy. He, he, he made sure he didn't like me very much because he, he made sure to spray me with his scent, which yeah. was not like a nasty steak all day. <laughs> um, I, yeah, now I know you guys estimated a height. Now, did you try and do any uh, weight measurements? I mean, as far as I mean, I'm sure whatever this was was pretty wide. Uh, well, she, well like her, I... she's seen a profile uh, mainly, and yeah. I only huh. caught the last two seconds. We did not get a 100% viewing of the animal itself. We seen Both of us seen from about the mid-side down, um, and it was mine was like a perpendicular angle of what I was seeing going down the hill, so it's difficult for me to, in the two seconds, Two and a half seconds I got to see it moving uh, really tell you what the weight could, was on the order of. But if I were to guess just off the top of my head based on looking at one of our guys where he was down and compared to it, I would easily put it in the 500 to 600 pound range. That mm-hmm. Just up, yeah. Well, like just I said before, take, take the NBA player that Nathaniel was talking about and add 500 pounds to him. <laughs> wow. Well, I tell you what, uh, you know, Shelly, you, know, you, you have done a great job um, as far as your analytical skills and things like that. And I think thank a lot you. of Bigfoot could learn a thing or two from you. I mean, well, thank boom, you. Boom. It's the, the fact- Nathaniel as well. I mean, this young man, okay. let me tell you. If anybody can be out in the field with Nathaniel, please do it. He is, he, people, for me, he's young, but they don't give him the credit he deserves. He's been living in the woods for months. He's had a up-close and very personal experience with Bigfoot, and I listen to this young man, and I appreciate everything he has taught me, and I think he is, going to impact the Bigfoot world like nobody else. As a young mind and the the enthusiasm and the heart and the gut this young man has, it just so many people need to really look into what he's been doing. And I applaud him and appreciate everything he did for me in the last few weeks that I have been the privilege to spend time with him. 
Yeah, but thank that, you, Henry. Right. You know, Shane Gunner, yeah, this you. has been a show. I've mm-hmm. enjoyed it quite a bit. Oh, thank you. Thanks, yeah. Henry. Yeah, and by the way, when's CryptoLogic coming back? Soon, and yeah, we're going to elaborate. We're, we're going to elaborate <laughs> on this story some more. Cause we're going to po- We'll have uh, Shelly and I will discuss this uh, um, a trip more, and we'll actually add audio uh, to our our show. So it'll be up and coming, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, look forward to it. All right. Uh, for- <clears throat> Forgive us, Henry. I've been away, and right. uh, I when I get I home, we'll get it all back together and. And back on track, just like we have. Well, hey, at least we got Monster X Radio. I mean, I, 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 I try, to, I try to never miss Monster X Radio, though. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Henry. Right. Yeah. Thank thanks, you, guys. Thanks for calling, good one. Thanks for calling okay. buddy. Thank you, Honey Bun. Bye. Have a great honey week. Bun. Bye. All right. Bye. Hey, hey, guys. One thing I want to add is that, and I, I preach this, and I don't know why I preach it because I don't understand it yet. But the month of August is a huge month for me. Um, usually I end up in Mount Hood because of the activity and, and my prior experiences. Uh, the, the month of August is a huge month, and uh, once again, it, it proved to uh, show itself as uh, uh, a very um, interesting month. And uh, one can argue that while people are out camping and uh, there's more people out there because it takes a person and uh, whatever to have an experience or encounter, but I think it's more than that. Personally, I think the month of August means something, and I'm still trying to battle in my head exactly what. I have ideas, but uh, uh, Nathaniel, any any you know, we're down to about two minutes here. Do you have like a 30 second uh, um, idea or thought on that? On uh, particular the month of August or area yeah. which area? Well, uh, the month of August, uh, spe- specifically here in the Pacific Northwest. I- I'm-, I'm sure, you know, you haven't been out here that long, but long enough to maybe... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I would assume that they- that's really, if I'm not mistaken, August is really the peak of the heat, if you will. Uh, the animals are more uh, following the confluences of the waterways, and so are the people. Uh, when the heat index goes up, people go yeah. where it's more comfortable. Uh, and so do the animals, because that's where their one prey items are, and where the food is still pretty lush. So, I would assume it's water is one of the biggest yeah. factors there. Absolutely. Well, guys, well, we're, you know, it's, been, it's been a fantastic show. I thank you both for joining us. Um, Gunner, do you want to lead thank us you. out? We're down to about a minute here. I'd like to thank Shelley. And uh, Nathaniel for coming on and, and uh, sharing their experiences and and their their insights. I I have a huge appreciation for for the pragmatic approach to bigfooting, you know, and and I ascribe to the bigfoot last um, dogma. So um, thanks again for you guys for coming on. Next week's show, I will actually be out in the woods, um, doing a four-week hike with my lady, and uh, Shane will be, he can, will, I'm leaving the show, of course, in Shane's capable hands. Um, He'll be coming live from Hopsquatch. Mr. Ron Moorhead will be joining him, at least for part of the show, so um, listen in next weekend, 4 p.m. Pacific, for another Monster X. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you.